All right, all right. Our guest this week likes to get a little weird. Might quite possibly be the literal definition of work hard, play harder. 20 plus companies owned, a giving yet humble man wrapped in Versace. Not today. <laughs> Not today, but you choose fight over flight, a literal gorilla in a world full of Karens. Let's give two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo! To Brandon Brittingham. Woo! Appreciate you having me here today, man. It's yep. freaking cold in Maryland. It's like 23 degrees. <laughs> Versace doesn't make stuff for like when it's cool outside. <laughs> if anybody can make a Versace winter coat happen, I think it's Brandon Brittingham. Oh yeah, sure, for sure. Yep. Yep. I'm surprised you weren't in that in that uh, drip worthy robe today. Yeah, that's uh, I'm gonna save that for the stage. <laughs> that's for the stage. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, let's clue everybody in to why these two dudes are like wooing at each other. Um, Cause we might, we like people might be having like that, that clip where, uh, who was it? Vince McMahon and Ric Flair are like wooing back and forth at each other. Yeah. So, um, so, which is like one of the, one of the all time greatest memes in the world. So, so for me, right. A long time ago, you know, when I started to do well in real estate, people asked me to share my story on stage. And I used to be scared to death of speaking in front of people. I still really am. I mean, I really am. And so, um, you know, I channeled this alter ego, which was Ric Flair. So when I go on stage, I'm Ric Flair. That's, that's where it comes from. I can attest to that because I'll be truthful. I don't think I shared this with you. So I met you a couple months ago at Apex Live in November of 21. And I see you walking by and you get your jeans on, you got some some really cool sneakers on, and then you got this green gold Versace t-shirt. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, this dude has like swag for days. You could put a week on it. And there it is. There it is, yeah. And Rick Flair in the background. And little did I know, and then like Two minutes later, you come walking by and you got the mic on. I'm like, oh, well, now it's starting to make sense. And then yeah. you tell your story about how you gear up, you throw on the Ric Flair alter ego, and you do business. And I think that's just so appropriate for people that might listen to us uh, down the road on our podcast episode when you catch it, or if you're watching it live here or in a replay on the socials. Like, I think it's so important that people really like equip themselves for success. Now I think it's neat how you're doing it with this alter ego. I think that's just very cool. Yeah. And so let's go underneath that for a minute. Mm -hmm. So like when you were a kid, right, you know, you were Superman, you know, no one has the confidence like a five or six year old with a cape on or your Batman shirt or whatever it is. Right. And then we get older and we become adults and you know, all these things happen to you in the world and then you kind of stop believing but you you still have this alter ego or this imagination, right? So one of the most famous alter egos was Colby Bryant was, you know, Black Mamba. Everybody knows the Mamba mentality. And it was like, you know, Colby was like, you know, off the court, he was a humble guy. He, he you know, he liked people, you know, he wanted to be friends with people, but on the court, he wanted to kill you. And uh, so, you know, he had this mentality of when I go on the court, I'm the Black Mamba because that took him out of void of emotion. Like, you know, I don't give a shit. I'm going to drop 80, 
you know, that's how I'm going to live. So I think for me, I adopted this alter ego of, you know, diff- different things that I've dealt with in life, success and things that I want to emulate of tapping into the superpower to, to over, you know, to overcome and to achieve some type of hardship I'm facing. I love it. I'm getting out the props right now because just as uh, Brandon's got, there we go, his alter ego, you know, and again, I kind of forgot about this alter ego for a little bit. I mean, this is why Brandon and I were talking about this in pre-show, you know, uh, we've talked about the apex live event. We were just together last week at the January event. We'll be together I'm guessing in February and in March, mm-hmm. like, yep. you know, we're going to be event homies like yep. for the rest of the year. Right. And, yeah. and it's not just us. It's like 200 people that are just kicking ass and taking names. And I thank you for kind of reminding me of my alter ego, which is the incredible Hulk. And, and I kind of gave this some credence. I gave this, my alter ego became this, my alter ego as a kid laying in the hospital bed, dealing with epilepsy. Right. And I was pissed off all these tests, all these needles, all these brain scans, all the nights. But I just kind of like picked up on some episodes of Hulk and it's like, you know, you're going to be all right. You'll be put to the test and you're not really mean yet. Like you can get through this, you know, but just keep that inside, like use it to propel you. You'll get through the goal and you'll get out of this hospital bed. You'll get out of these tests. You'll deal with it. The biggest thing that they were looking to take away from me was driving. Yeah, because they were. T- I was hearing doctors talk about, well, you know, this could be a long time. You know, this could be years to a decade of dealing with this, and Jeff may not be able to drive. So I just used all that emotion to like focus on myself and listen to everything I could to the nurses, to the doctors, on how to kind of navigate through that as a kid. And uh, I got my license at sixteen. Yeah, so I didn't. It, it didn't hold me back, which was good. But like for me, Incredible Hulk's my alter ego. So, you know, the thing is, which that's that's awesome, is, you know, so a lot of people, you probably do this already and you don't realize it. It's like being in the zone when like an athlete is in the zone. You know, it's actually scientific. It's It's a part of their brain they're tapping into. And we can do this in business, too. You know, and that's why I go into the alter ego, because it gets me to a point of having just like an extreme amount of focus and taking me somewhere from an imagination standpoint. And then it kind of takes you back to tapping into that childhood mentality of that, that, you know, just amazing um, imagination. I mean, it's like, you know, talk to a five or six year old kid, you know what I mean? And just wrap your head around like just how open their mind is to the world and then, like, you know, if you're feeling bad one day, go go open a box of crayons and sniff them. I mean, like, takes you mm. back to mentality of, like, when you were a child, right? So, you know, for me, you know, kind of honing in and, and harnessing that alter ego just gave me the ability to be fearless in a lot of different situations. And I don't know, man, it's just... It helps me when I go on stage. It helps me in business. It helps me in a lot of situations, you know. And I'll tell you another one of mine, which might sound crazy. One of my alter egos is Michael Myers. Oh, Michael Myers is when I've got to <laughs> negotiate a big deal, or I've got to walk into a room. This isn't real estate. This isn't like 
I'm negotiating with a customer because I'm I'm neurotic about customer service. This is I got to negotiate a big deal for my team or for one of my companies, and I want to get the better end of the deal, honestly, because yeah. I'm negotiating for my team and for my family. Yeah. And Michael Myers is, hey, I'm coming in to be a killer, and I'm void of emotion. You know, that's where mentally I have to go sometimes because if you spend any time around me, I want to help people and I'll do anything for anybody. So sometimes I got to completely turn that off when it's time to, to chase the big deal. That is, that's on point. I mean, I, I, I put it in my intro and when I typed out the intro to the show about saying how we, how we live a big ticket life and drive to success for ourselves and those around us, I almost flipped it, right? Because like a lot of people would say, well, that's selfish. You can't put vibes out that out there like that. But the reality is, as a business owner, a business leader, somebody leading a team, if you're not working on yourself to be the very best hub of everybody that comes around you in this world that's connected to you, if you're broken in some way, not spinning as that hub at max speed, optimal performance no one else is going to be as successful as they could be around you. 100%. You're driving the shit, man. Yeah. So I love it. Like Michael Myers, devoid of emotion. It sounds harsh to like people that kind of aren't clued in to their alter ego. They're not clued into leading themselves. They're not clued into success. But listen, I mean, if you're not a successful person, you can't do anything. I'm big about Main Street. I'm big about businesses succeeding in their communities so their communities thrive. That's why I do what I do with my coaching clients because I want to see Main Street succeed. Like I don't have yeah. any of these false visions of Mayberry coming back. Right. But I, I believe businesses can be super successful and super important in their community. But that's got to happen with the owner first. Like yeah. I, can't, I can't affect that through the delivery guy. I can't affect that through the salesperson. It's solely through the business owner. Yeah. And, you know, on the alter ego too, the one thing that I will say to people is, you know, I think we've just gotten away from like, you know, who you want to be and what you want to do in life. Like you got to stop caring about what everyone else thinks or says. Like, you know, for me, one of the things why Ric Flair is one of my alter egos when I go on stage is because when I was younger, you know, and I didn't grow up with money, I grew up poor. And when I would see Ric Flair come on stage and, he, you know, jet flying, limousine riding, you know, Rolex wearing, you know, and, and that was to me was was so interesting because I was living such the opposite lifestyle. <laughs> yep. And, you know, so for me, it was kind of like, you know, projecting who I wanted to be at some point from a success standpoint. And I think that like... You know, people want to be certain things, but they're afraid to let that out because they're afraid of being judged by the world. And I think here's the thing. People are going to judge you regardless, right? Yeah. And so why why would you should you care? And the biggest flex in the world, I say it all the time, is being your authentic self. And you can't be the best version of yourself if you don't show up and, and be the authentic cert, you know, your authentic self. So if you want to wear Versace and put a couple gold shades on and, you know do the Ric Flair woo, then that's who you should be. Like you shouldn't, don't let other people judge you and make your decisions based on who you want to be, not what someone else is or isn't. 100%. Yeah, I started wearing um, cowboy boots. Yeah, in a way, 
you know, I grew up where I grew up as a kid in Canada, it was kind of like Plainsy, kind of like Western states. You know, it wasn't it wasn't all hockey and Molson ice beer, right? <laughs> there was a lot yeah. of that around, but it was it yeah. was more flat, more more cowboyish than anything. I, I, but honestly, the, the inside ball is uh, for many broken bones and issues over the years. I got to have good good shoes, and I was doing some research and came across cowboy boots. I'm like, well, shit, this works. This is this is kind of who I'm becoming anyway, this kind of loner, like, and it fits, man. And it feels so dang good when I strap those on. Yeah. It really, really does. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you have a quote, uh, Chris, our producer in the background, you have a quote about allowing people to proofread your life, which right here. Yeah. I love this. Stop asking blind people to proofread your vision. What inspired that statement? So I think it's a couple of things, right? And and let me just use me as the example. So there's so many things that I've done in my life where people told me that was a bad idea or that was never going to work or that had never been done before or you're crazy or whatever it is. And when I sat back and I looked at it and I was like, all these people who are giving me this advice, they've never done it. And number one, they're not farther ahead in life however you view that, in my opinion, than where I was, right? And it's not a shot at anybody. I'm just telling you how it is. right? And then the other side of it is, anytime that I ever met somebody who was ahead of me, financially, relationship-wise, business-wise, they had kind of the opposite take on things, right? So... You know what I mean? It was always kind of like, well, here's my opinion and here's some advice. Um, but it was never like that won't work. And so I just kind of adapted this mentality of like, you should never base what you're going to be on what someone else isn't. Right. And you should never take advice from people that like, you know, if you want to scale a company to a billion dollars and you're asking somebody who's making $50,000 a year, their opinion, um, you're probably not going to get the answer that you want. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with making $50,000 a year. That's not a shot at anybody either. I'm just saying that a lot of times in life, we make decisions based on people who don't understand your vision, don't understand where you want to go. And the thing is, like, let's you think about people that have done really crazy successful things in the beginning, most of the time, people are like, that person is crazy or they're nuts or whatever until they're not, right? So yeah. for me, it was kind of like, there's a lot of things that I've done where you know, I had people judging me or passing judgment or saying whatever, but it wasn't based on anything in fact or reality. Like It's not like they went out and tried to do it or start the company I was trying to start or whatever, and they were just passing judgment based on their own failures and insecurities in their own life. So the thing about it is, I think that too many people are affected by everyone else's opinion. And if you truly want to be successful in life, you just have to stop caring about that kind of stuff. Because your vision and your passion is yours alone. No one else should dictate that ever. I mean, 100%. I've come to realize in the last year or so, when I hear people communicating their vision, I mean, I think people tuned into the vision of their life, whatever that is. I mean, if you're, if you're working, you're making 50, 60 grand a year, but your vision is to help this charity, 
and you communicate that to me, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything that I can with my connections, my ability, my time. If I feel it's, if, if I feel I'm passionate about it, if that person is, I'm going to lean into them and I'm going to say, here, how can I help you get there? And I think we need to like put more regard, respect, and honor into people who carry vision because ultimately when they come true, our world propels around the rising tide lifts all ships, right? Like things just get better. So I loved, I loved that statement about letting people proofread your vision. It is, it is so spot on. Vision and passion is, is a fuel that people don't understand. And that's why two people in a garage as a startup can build a billion dollar company, right? So I think that the thing is like, if you're passionate about something and you have the vision, like it doesn't matter. Like you should not care at all what someone else is going to tell you or any negativity around people telling you that it's not possible because I mean, if you look at the world we live in, how fast everything is moving, like the NFT space, the crypto, my industry, real estate has changed probably more in the last five years than in the last 50. You know, things, everything is changing at such a rapid and fast pace. And you got to think like, there's people in different verticals that didn't exist five years ago that are now in verticals and they own the space, right? They weren't even a competitor. See, this is what I tell everybody all the time, right? You always got to be on top of your game and you always got to lead from vision and passion because I'm telling you right now, in a lot of spaces, your biggest competitor right now, today, they don't exist. Mm. So so what's one of those uh, verticals five years ago that didn't exist? Well, I'll take my space as an example. Real estate. You've got all kinds of companies that were, you know, that are now tech-driven companies. You have huge eye-buying companies that have created their own space. Um, you know, Zillow has gotten more into the brokerage side, which didn't exist in the brokerage side. Yep. Um, companies like Compass and EXP. You know, different companies that are out there that, you know, didn't really exist as a player a few years ago, and now they do. Right. So that's the thing that I always tell people is like, especially in, in anything around where tech can, can provide a solution, your biggest competitor might not exist right now. And that's why you have to always adapt. Because if you don't adapt, you put out business. Yeah, yeah. That kind of goes to a uh, mantra, a belief, a guiding post that you talk about often. Hire for where you're going. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and just to catch everybody up, we've been flashing it on the screen, but I guess we should do the formalities. I mean, you're Brandon Brittingham. You're the owner of the number one real estate brokerage in the state of Maryland from Long team. and Foster. Team. Team. Yep. Team, right? Number yeah. five in the nation. Team and brokerage get so confused anymore anyway. Okay. So I'm sorry. That's normal. Okay. Yeah. That, number five in the nation. Yep. And you've got like 18 or 19 other companies all connected around real estate. Correct. Yeah. So rattle off a couple of those. So we're in construction, um, both renovation, new home construction, building houses. Um, we do some land development. We're in property management. I have a business called cows, which is like pods to help people moving. Um, we are involved in the mortgage space, in the insurance space, in the title space. 
Um, we have a real estate investment arm buying and flipping properties. Uh, we have a real estate syndication arm where we raise money and invest in real estate. Um, we're obviously in rentals. We're in Airbnbs. Um, I'm in the coaching space, in the training space. Uh, commercial real estate, we dabble in that from the management standpoint and the investment standpoint. Um, I don't know, pretty much almost anything you can think of around a real estate transaction, we pretty much do it. Yep. Yeah, which circling back to where we uh, picked up on that, um, hiring to where, hiring for where you're going. Mm-hmm. So you've made you've made a couple big moves recently. You've talked yeah. about hiring your CFO, and I just mm-hmm. saw this week, maybe it was yesterday or the day before, you've hired a new person, a COO, I believe, of your remodeling comp, uh, your remodeling business. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I can unpack this for you a little bit. This is the mistake that I always made for a, for a while, right? And this is a mistake that we always make, I think, in business is we hire for where we are and not where we're going. So, and to kind of give you an idea or break that down is, you know, we get to a critical mass and, and mass and we have to hire to grow. And then let's just say your revenue is $5 million, just giving that to you as a number. And you're like, all right, well, I got to hire a whoever, a COO to handle a $5 million company. But you really want to be a $20 million company, right? So the person that you're thinking about in your head can't be the $5 million hire. It's got to be the $20 million hire, right? And the other side of that where we make this mistake is sometimes we think, all right, I'm only a $5 million company. I don't need a COO or I don't need a this or I don't need a that, but I want to go to 20 million. What happens is it's going to take you longer because you think in your head, number one, you're not ready. And then, which you're never going to be ready in your head. Like you're never, what does ready mean? What does that even mean? Right. If you're always hiring and scaling, you're never going to be ready because there's always going to be another ladder to climb and another layer to get to and another level to reach, right? So the thing is, is that what I learned a long time ago is I was hiring for where I was and not where I was going. And then when I started to hire from where I was going instead of where I was, then the game completely changed because I got people who helped me build companies not someone that I could just plug into a spot. And that's the big difference. You have to look at and assess your business of, is this hire that I'm hiring for for plugging the hole today or are they for the long-term vision of this company? And when I started doing that, like three or four years ago, I basically started my team all over from just about scratch, right? And this year, we just had the best year we've ever had we crushed last year. And the reason why is because about three and a half years ago, I said, if I could have the best transaction coordinator, if I could have the best right hand, you know what I mean, person to help me with stuff, if I could have the best avatar of agent, if I could have the best avatar of a COO, what would that look like? And that's who I need to hire for, right? And then, so I just kept that mentality going forward and that that has been a man that single-handedly has been a really big game changer for me for scaling companies yeah i mean i, I shared again with you in, in the pre-show 
as we were uh, just doing the, the technology check, making sure everything's pulling off for the show. I was talking with my sales manager who were moving into that COO role, who is going to be an exceptional. We've been underutilizing his talents and it's time to take those gloves off and really kind of hire in behind him so he can do his thing and manage our growth going forward. In my industry, you know, I used to be on the wholesale side of things, you know, selling to retailers like myself. So I saw a lot of good, bad, ugly. And the one thing I saw that was very consistent, you touched on how your, your I forget how you described it, about customer service, your ne- neurotic, passionate, what, what, what was it? Neurotic. Neurotic, yeah. Yeah. I saw repeatedly people just like not even try. They outsource that final touch of the delivery of their product to the lowest the, the lowest bidder. Like they, yeah. they the US government did the final touch, the final customer experience in somebody's home. In my business, in the mattress business, I mean, uh, you know, think, I mean, how many of your personal friends and family have been in your bedroom? Other right. than yeah, like it doesn't happen. Yeah. And yet here comes this here comes this company into somebody's private bedroom to deliver their product that they might have felt pressured into buying, they were maybe unsure of, and it's just not a great experience. And that's where it unravels. So I've always hired to where I want that five-star experience to be. We pay our delivery team more than most anybody I know. You know, that's a good point. You know, that's a uh, that's very interesting because that is you, I mean, that is a big deal. You're you're taking a bed in someone's private bedroom, and yeah, typically it's being delivered, and it's not a good experience. So right. that's that's um, that is a great example for people listening to this. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, not to. I know we want to get down with a conversation between us two, uh, two alter egos, Ric Flair and the Hulk. But like spinning this to like tactical, take it business lesson. Think about that. You know, if you're a realtor. Like the person you're selling the house for, you're parading strangers through their pi- private bedroom and bedrooms. Oh yeah, no, you know? it's, so no. There's, there's such a level of respect there that has to happen and care. Uh, and and I've said that to my peers, and they they I can see the light bulbs go off. Yeah, and it's just a shame that it's not been thought about in that way before. Absolutely, great point. So we've touched on Versace. We've touched on the alter ego. We've been flashing the gorilla. So in a world full of Karens, be a gorilla. Where did that come from? So, you know, the thing is, it's it kind of goes back to what I talked about earlier is like, I just think people are so scared to be their authentic self. And the thing is, people buy authenticity. Like, you know, the crazy thing is for me, like when I do a real estate transaction with a customer, like they want to do business with me, not a version of me. Right. And kind of like the thing is, is that when I show up and I'm sitting in your living room, like I know, and, and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but I know I'm the best. I know that I'm going to give you the best service, that I have all the best shiny objects. I have the best marketing. I have the best team behind me. And I exude that confidence and my track record speaks for itself. And so does my teams. So it's kind of like, you know, I think that um, there's nothing wrong with being humble, but there's also nothing wrong with stepping into your superpower and letting people know who you are. Right. 
And I, I think that we're living in a world where people want you to turn it down. And I don't think you should. I think you should turn it up. And, you know, you know, kind of in the world we live in where you've got people turning into Karens and complaining about everything and trolling about everything. It's like, you know, that's where the gorilla comes from. It's like, you know, be yourself. Like that's, that's who I'm going to be. Like I feel, and I believe this, that I'm the best. I believe in the market that I'm in and what I can provide and what I do and my track record. I believe I'm the best. And I believe everyone on my team is the best and I don't care what someone else's opinion is. And I just think that people are so affected by this Karen mentality of, you know, this, that, or the third and people judging you. And it's kind of like, man, do you and be you, man. Like that's like, it's just, it's sad to me that people are scared to be themselves and be their authentic self in, in today's world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you got to bust through, bust through those walls that are like trying to be built around us, you know, and, and that's really happening. I mean, we don't, you know, we could go down this road if we want to, but like, that's really actually happening. It's happening by what goes on in technology, which guides so many people's lives. It's happening with their friend circles as more and more external pressures come down on them. You're 100% right. There's no reason to not be your authentic self. I strapped the gloves back on because you said, when I sit down, I know I'm the best. And that's not from a position of arrogance. It's, it's, it's meant from a position of obligation. If you're going to sit in front of somebody and take their money and guide them through a process like buying a home, remodeling a home, investing money, you're going to fulfill that obligation of being the best. I mean, that's table stakes for people like you and me, right? Man, 100%. And the thing is, I got the receipts to prove it. I mean, we're number one in the state. We're number five in the US. That doesn't happen by accident or by chance. And, and underneath of it, it's only because we come from a standpoint of serving the customer and just getting better and better and better and better and making the transaction for them easier and better. And that's where it comes from. And And the thing that people don't see, they don't see us in here on Sundays having meetings. They don't see us like painstakingly like breaking down the transaction all the time. Where can we get better? They don't see the millions of dollars that we invest in technology and infrastructure and all the things that we do to make it better, right? And they don't necessarily need to see it. They just need to have that experience that we promise that we promise that we deliver on, right? But so many things go on on the back end that I know no one else does because I'm a student of the game and I'm a student of my industry and I know what my competitors do and I know what people do in real estate. And there's few and far between that go through the lengths that we do. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like just comparing like you go stay at a Motel 6 and you go stay at a Four Seasons, right? Motel 6, there might be a water there when you get there in the room, right? You go on Four Seasons, it's probably Fiji. Do you know what I mean? There's probably some fruit. You know, there's these little subtle differences, right? There's these little subtle differences that you're like, oh man, they thought about that or they thought about this. And you don't realize all the things that go on behind the scenes to create that. But I do. And I know that we go above and beyond in our marketplace to do it. And that's why when I sit down in front of somebody, I know I'm going to deliver them the best in the market. 
Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, I strapped the gloves on when we when we started on this point about sitting down being the best. Folks walk into my space, you know, with myself and with my team, you know, in in the mattress game, it's it's the in, this is not the customer's fault. This is the industry's fault. The industry has set this expectation that every purchase should be let's spill blood, do warfare on the negotiation. And you as the customer hammer down the retailer and just go to battle. Yeah. Right. And we don't, in my business, we don't do that at all. Not right. one bit. And when people start in on the discounting and what's the deal, I say, listen, you know, we have the fit. And whether you invest 500 or five grand or more with us, if you don't love it, you're going to, you're not going to like me at all. Right. Yeah. So, and, and when we start talking about wheeling and dealing, I, I just say back, what part of my experience that brought you to my place of business in the first place? Right. Which, which review did you like the most? And they'll say it. I say, which part of that are you going to sacrifice if I discount this product? Yeah, exactly. You know? Because for me to affect all of this, I have a very fair price in front of you right now. That's the price. Right. And... So, like, I'm, I'm just not into wheeling and dealing, and I will let you walk out the door. And unlike my peers in the industry, I'm not going to chase you out the door and bang on your window and say, all right, you got me. I'm not going to make any money. My kids aren't going to eat tonight, but I'll, I'll do the deal. Like, no, I'm not, that's not how you wake, help people wake up happy and live their best life so our community improves. That's because that's our mission. You know, you don't do that wheeling and dealing. You know? Exactly. And so having that confidence to be the best, man, I'm proud that you and your team do it. That's what we do. I hope those listening, if you're not doing it and you do good shit, you should have that confidence, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So World Full Karens be a gorilla. I think we showed the picture. I know we had the Ric Flair up. That was good. Yeah. No, it was uh, Ric Flair and all all his drip. Yeah. I mean, that's where it comes from, man. It, It just comes from like, you know, you got to have that confidence and you got to have, you know, that's that self-belief. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm tired of, of everyone judging everybody and, and making people not want to be who they are. And, you know, the thing is, is that like, if we look at an athlete like Tom Brady or Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, you know, them being obsessed with their craft, right? You know what I mean? I got a good friend of mine, Heath Evans. He played with Michael Jordan. He played with Tom Brady. And I remember he told me that during practices, Brady would run two, three hours with the receivers. He would run air routes without the ball. Do you know what I mean? And this was after he had his third or fourth ring. And I mean, that's that's stuff that you're doing when you're playing peewee ball, right? But when we look at these athletes and it's like, man, they're obsessed with their crap. That's okay. They're celebrated as champions. But in the business world, like when people are obsessed with their with being better at their business, people say that's unhealthy. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't map the same. Like having a healthy obsession, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And that's why it's like, for me, it's like own and step into your superpower. Like if your superpower is obsession to be better at yourself and your business, then that's the gorilla version of yourself. And that's what you should be. And stop listening to the Karens. 
Yeah. I mean, out of I, I'm 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 pissed off that you taught me something about Tom Brady because I've read a lot about him. Yeah. I, I was going to comment how he has like he's been known to have and, and continues to have, as far as I know, a five year plan. Yeah. Like there's people that don't have a five day plan in this world. Yeah. You know, let and, and some don't even have a five minute plan. <laughs> unfortunately, you know. Yeah. Um, but when you talked about the air route, I mean, like I I've coached youth football. So like when you said that I played football and when you said that, I'm like, damn, that's why that guy has that sixth sense level of connection with the people he's playing catch with out there on the professional football field. Cause he's run the damn route. He's done the damn work. Right. Yeah. And if you want to talk about an alter ego uh, moment, one of the reasons why Tom Brady still has that tenacity and still has that chip on his shoulder is because he was a sixth round pick and he was told that he was never going to be good in, in the NFL. So he invented in his head, he was going to be the best. And then yeah. look, look what you got, you know? Yeah. The other thing a, that I love that I love that like he mid sixth round, wasn't he? He was the last pick of the draft. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Last pick of the draft that year. Uh, another thing that I love about Brady that he told me is, you know, anytime anyone asks Brady, what's his favorite ring? He always says the next one. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I talk, uh, you know, I personally, uh, I believe this is the right work to do as the leader of my, of my business. I personally reply to every review we get online. Because I want, to me, that's my finger on the pulse of my business. Right. I want to see firsthand what people are saying. And when I reply, I often will type, you know, thanks for being, I have kind of a, I have a word bank of things that I pull from that's all relevant to it. But I will almost always get in there something to the effect of, I'm very happy you were able to experience our five-star mattress buying experience. Mm -hmm. We live and die by each one of those interactions. Yeah. So if the next person down the line doesn't get five stars, I'm not happy. I mean, outcome the, right? Now this is where... Right. This is where these come out, right? Right. Yeah. Like this is where we are not going to accept that level of performance around these parts. Right. It is unacceptable. And, you know, there was, I, I'm not afraid to say it. There was uh, two days before Christmas. Uh, I, you know, I only go to my business Mondays and Fridays. So Christmas mm -hmm. this year, Christmas Eve was Friday. The 23rd, I roll up to my place of business. I was running around doing some holiday stuff. My plan, based on the schedule that day, was to say hi to the team, shake their hand, talk about this year, talk about 22 coming up. And, you know, we fell down a little bit. I launched the dirtiest, scummiest mattress that was sitting between our storage trailers into the trailer, king-size bed, because I was so disappointed in the moment that that was just left out for other customers to see. I see, yeah. No. Because the week coming up, like that's our, that's a big week. Traffic yeah. goes up and it is not a five-star experience to park beside a dirty, scummy mattress. Right. Sitting beside a, a trailer, right? Like it's just not. So that was, that was one of those moments and, and they happen, you know? And, and so it's like, we have to talk about why it happened and how we don't have it happen again. But when we talk about doing all the work, there's something that you've talked about 
and, and I've seen the results. So you take homes and you're, it seems like you're proud to take these homes. It's almost like they're the redheaded stepchild homes of your area. <laughs> They've been on the listings for 200 days, 150 days, maybe a year or more. And like you sell them in two weeks. Well, a lot of times it's not even necessarily the home. It, it just goes back to what, what I was saying is, and, and this is what the customer doesn't necessarily always understand is that not everyone in real estate is created equal. You know what I mean? We got we have a full-time digital marketing person on staff. We have a full-time photographer on staff, right? I have people full-time working on social media that understand it, that are Google experts, Facebook experts, you know, graphic design experts, you know, media experts. And then I have a professional writer writes our all of our home descriptions. So, you know, this is the most expensive typically for most people transaction yeah. they're going to make. So, you know, we're not going out there with a cell phone. I'm not writing your your home description because I'm not a professional at writing home descriptions. I'm not a professional at taking photos. So I hire the people that are professionals. Then I hire the people that are professionals from a marketing standpoint. And that's why we get results. The house was the same. The market is the same. How do we sell it and no one else does? It comes down to single-handedly, our marketing and our process is just so, so different. Everybody's running the air routes on your team. 100%, man. Like in their own way, right? Like the photographer, they're doing the air routes for the copywriter because the words don't really come to life till they see the pictures. Yeah. And 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 as they work together, they just blow up. Bro, what's so crazy to me still to this day is there's so many people in our industry who don't get professional photos of a house. And it's like, you're going to sell a couple hundred thousand dollar asset and you're going to let someone take pictures of your house on their phone and not get professionally done and edited photos. And then you are not going to have a professional write your property description. I just... We got to do better. Well, it's awesome that you're bringing better. That's for sure. Um as we uh, look to round third base into the top of our time together, um, let's talk about, you said you're in coaching. Uh, you've got an event coming up in March. Yep. Um, you know, you talked about how for most people, you assist them with uh, buying the most expensive purchase they're going to make. For a lot of people, their health is, their, not their, well, your health is an investment strategy, but we're not, we're probably not your two best guys to talk about that today. Right. Uh, but your home is an investment strategy for most people. Mm-hmm. But for that next, you know, that next layer of 80-20 rule for people looking to acquire wealth in real estate, you've got a pretty great event coming up in March. I'm coming to it personally. So it has my endorsement. So share with everybody what you got going on there. Yeah, we are doing an event in Dallas and there's also a digital product with it. And I'm doing it with another buddy of mine, Dan Constantino, who's one of the smartest guys I know in real estate too. And we're just going to break down everything um, real estate investing and long-term, short-term Airbnbs, flipping properties, basically taking all my knowledge of investing in real estate since about 2004, 2003-ish to now of hundreds and hundreds of transactions you know what I mean? And breaking that down and, and showing everyone how we do it and how we've been successful investing in real estate, Airbnbs and what have you. Yeah. 
I mean, it, you know, I always like to kind of explore new frontiers, right? Like I've got a little consulting software business that was 10 years ago, kind of at the frontier of putting data and data-driven metrics into, re- into retail, okay? Yeah. Um, we're now actually you know, building out that platform overseas in Europe for, for a client, uh, which is very cool. So uh, Airbnbs in real estate, as I see, it's kind of like that new frontier in, I mean, you go back, there, there's advertisements that I've seen and have in my marketing archives from the Civil War era of investing in real estate. So like this goes back a long way, right? But Airbnbs, you've talked passionately about them. Why do you love Airbnbs? Well, I like real estate in general because real estate legitimately can help you get wealthy. And I think that, you know, people are like, oh, I got to, you know, it's not crazy. Like, think about this. If you bought five properties today, just as an example, 300,000, and you kept them for 20 years, it's reasonable to say that they would double in value and you would pay them off. So you wake up one day and you've got five properties worth 600,000, right? So you've got what? Simple math on that, $3 million ish asset. Yep. And rents typically increase in value. So let's say 20 years from now, rents $4,000 a month per property. So do the math on that. What's that? 20 grand if you yep. got five of them a month. Yep. So you wake up, you got a $3 million asset paying you $20,000 a month. Do you know what I mean? And of passive income, if you did nothing else but bought five properties and held them for 20 years. Right. And then if you look at Airbnb, you know what I mean? The crazy thing about Airbnb is if a property would get you $2,000 a month right now through Airbnb, it's probably going to get you six to 10. Which is just insane cash flow, and uh, I think that's here to stay. So it's the same method of of investing long term. You're just going to pay the property off a lot faster and get a lot more cash flow. Well, I mean, I think that's very cool. Uh, that is called the Millionaire's Investor Mastermind. Um, you can uh, go through Brandon's links that we've been putting up uh, to sign up. I'm sure he's got it all over the place. Let's talk about how you're pulling that off. You, you referenced Dan. Uh, you're in Dallas, so it's tied to another event. Let's talk about network. I mean, we're, we're, I'm I'm grateful and happy to give a plug to the Apex Network because it truly is it truly is a group of Apex individuals just kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. So the cool thing is the the event was born out of Apex, so we haven't even really released it to the public, but we're going to today. So so for the last couple of weeks, it's just been in Apex. Um, Apex is just the best network that I've ever been a part of. It was actually their, it was actually their idea of, hey, you know all this stuff about um, investing in real estate. Why don't you bring this to our members and then we'll open it up to the public. And that's kind of what happened. I mean, Apex is just an amazing, amazing network of people. Um, I'm super thankful and lucky that, that I have the opportunity to be involved with them. And if you want to know more, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't make any money off of this. I don't know, Brandon. If do I'm, I. I'm sure Stuman's got referral links. I don't use them. I'm happy to give. Join the Apex.com. That's where you start. And what we're talking about. Um, not a call. Literally, though, like one of the most powerful uh, 
masterminding networks that I've ever been a part of. And I've invested decent money for a decade plus in myself, you know, tens of thousands of dollars annually, sometimes capping that $100,000 mark. Uh, this year, I'm investing $100,000 plus in, into myself and my businesses and growth and network and challenging myself. Having a network is just, I mean, incredible. And like the most, I think the most unique thing about this one is you get guys like Sammy Knight beside guys like Brandon Brittingham. <laughs> but Sammy's my boy. Sammy's my homie. Oh, Sammy's just awesome. I mean, Sammy was yeah. gracious. He was he was episode one of the big ticket life right there. He is. Yep. You know, I mean, here's here's a dude that like started a hunting brand or was instrumental in the growth of that brand, Mossy Oak, hanging out beside the Versace Gorilla. I mean, it, it, it really comes down to the simple fact that you've got people there in the room, first and foremost, committing to represent what winning looks like and to lean into the person beside you, in front of you, behind you for their success. And that's all that matters. No one else cares your background, your religion, your economic, whatever. All we care about is you're part of the family. So we're going to help you. Yeah. And those, and those really are the rules. And, you know, people who, uh, people who violate those rules, uh, they get, they get uncomfortable pretty quick and are showing the door. Uh, yeah. yeah. I saw, I, I, I caught wind of something like that happening a week or two ago. It doesn't yeah. matter. We don't need to dwell on it, but just know, like this is a tight network. It's good people, and they 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 do look out for their own. Um, 100%. So and they challenge. Like you know, I mean, Brandon's got like twenty different things going on, and uh, he gets challenged to do more and yeah. put this event on right. So mm -hmm. like, Stuman comes to you like, hey, Brandon, I know you're a busy guy, you're super successful and all, but let's make your life a little more weirder. Let's add this new thing. Yeah. <laughs> And challenges you to just level up uh, even more so. And which is great for you listening, because if you're going to go to the event, Brandon's always said, if he's going to sit down across from you, he's going to be the best. So this will be one of the best events you could go to if you're, if you're interested in real estate, which you absolutely should be. Yeah. So, well, my friend, oh, let's talk about your book. Yeah, I also got a somehow through all this, I found time to write a book. <laughs> so what I did was, um, you know, we've built a really, really successful property management business. And I think if you're in real estate, this especially makes sense for you because you should be investing in real estate and this creates a residual income. So um, I got a book coming out this month, January 25th, because I couldn't find anything out there that was kind of like the how-to guide of how to successfully build a property management book. So I literally wrote the book on it. Yep. Yep. And you're, you're launching that book now. I think it, did I see it drops the 25th? The 25th. Yep. yep. But everybody can, they're showing the link. You can pre-register to get one, you know, all that kind of stuff. We're doing some cool giveaways, things like that, but it officially drops the 25th. And did I see Barbara Corcoran? Just endorsed us. Yeah. Yep. That's, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. yeah definitely was that cool. Th that doesn't just happen to everyday Joe average management, property management guy, you know? Yep. So there's gotta be some, gotta be a lot, not some, gotta be a lot of good stuff in there. 
Yeah, and then um, we this book was published. I didn't self-publish it. This was published by Vantage Media, which is owned by Forbes. So it's a pretty big book publishing company that that's behind this. I uh, that's Adam Whitty's outfit, right? Forbes. That's books. correct, Adam Whitty. Yep, I know Adam. Yep, Adam and I uh, came up through the Dan Kennedy world together. There you go. And yeah. you know he bought that business and then did what he did to it to go sell it, and now it's been sold. And I'm sure he made out real well in that business, just like he's done in everything else. Uh, yeah, the yep. Forbes books are great. I mean, you're not getting uh, you're not getting a manuscript printed out on a printer, stapled in the middle with a big school type stapler. <laughs> you're getting a real book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he doesn't just publish anybody, so it's got to have great a great spirit to it, a great intent, and great quality inside the pages. So yeah. definitely, uh, definitely check that book out. So great, man. Well, listen, I really appreciate you. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Man. Time. Awesome. Yeah. I hope we had a good time here today. I hope that people got uh, some good information as they spent time with us. So uh, anything to wrap up in closing, Brandon? No, I mean, just what I talked about, like the biggest message that I, that I really want to get through to people outside of a lot of things we talked about is just, you know, be your authentic self, man. Wake up every day and be your authentic self. Like, you know, one of the things that I think is important is that this is what I think about every day, right? Would I rather be at war with the world and at peace with myself or at peace with myself and at war with the world? And I mean that from a standpoint of if you're not living your authentic self and being who you are, you will be at war with yourself. You may be at peace with the world, but you can't show up as the best version of yourself if you're at war with yourself. You got to do and be you. Like That's what is so important. And for me, I'd rather be at war with the world and being my authentic self every day. Like Be you and do you. Be your authentic self. I love it. That's a great way to uh, to wrap up. I make notes and then put out the highlights. That's definitely a highlight moment from our time together. So if you tuned into the last minute, you just got like you just got a bomb dropped on you, big old <laughs> big old gorilla fist punched right down in your chest to make you feel something. Right. Yeah. So my man, thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for giving back. Putting, putting the best into people out there that you can. I appreciate you very much. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching this episode of The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thanks, man.